Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton, CJ Vogel, and Jerry Hamilton, and a lot to talk about, but let's start with recruiting. Jerry, you have been putting in the miles this week all over the state of Texas. You've been on the road. What's the latest there, and what can you share with people? Yeah, yeah. I had a, uh, Thursday was one of my favorite days uh, I've had in the business, uh, uh, and that's a lot of them, but... Um, my I, Thursday afternoon was pretty cool uh, experience, but I started Thursday and went to Texas high um, coach Jerry Sanford, a, a great, a great guy, um, the former flyer mound Marcus coach, obviously Caden Smith uh, tied in played in the Under Armour all America game. So I've known him for a while um, coach Stanford and uh, you know, that 26, 27 class, they got a lot of talented kids at Texas high. They won a big playoff game against Mansfield summit this year. So that building of the program continues. Tradarian Ball, uh, 2026 running back, has 30 offers, was at Texas Junior Day, January 20th. Steve Sarkeesian and Blake Gideon were by the school late January. Um, it's a little early for some of these kids. I hit on them on ontexasfootball.com uh, this morning and Friday morning recruiting nuggets. They have a freshman offensive tackle, 6'6", 270, 275, started all 10 games of freshman. A big-time run, can really run, big-time athlete, Quay Ford, Don Quavius Ford. Uh, he goes by Quay, uh, 2026 D lineman at 6'4", 280-ish, that has Mississippi State, Arkansas, Arizona State, Houston, SMU, has some offers. Uh, Tredarian Ball was obviously the main reason I stopped by, and uh, Texas still very much uh, recruiting uh, Tredarian Ball, despite racing Guillory committed in the 26 class, they're different backs. And Texas has been taking two backs every class. Uh, they plan to take two in 2025. Ricky Stewart told me at Chapel Hill on Wednesday. Then I went to Pleasant Grove, spent some time with Lance Jackson, uh, the coaching staff there, great coaching staff. They do a heck of a job over there. Anytime you walk in and see multiple state championship banners and uh, in a indoor facility and, uh, and state finalists and all that good stuff. Uh, they've had a number of big-time players. Lance Jackson, obviously Texas commitment. Uh, uh, and I posted a video on Twitter. Uh, CJ's doing an, an unbelievable job with our editing, uh, making edits for all that uh, with On Texas Football. But, uh, you know, watching – they were doing some sprints yesterday for time. And, you know, guys, this, Bobby, you guys watched it. But 6'5", change, 260, a guy that can run in the four sixes. And those 95, he hit 95 on the mound in his one inning with a that's on a Pittsburgh Pirates scouts gun Monday in their baseball scrimmage. But anytime you see an athlete like that, it's a fun day. Okay. You know what I say, hey, Jerry? I got to interrupt you. I, I wrote this because you were posting while you were at the schools, you're posting trying yeah. to get information out. I took that to the message board and I have one simple line. This is how they're supposed to look. Yes. And to your point, when you see those guys in person, you that's a fun day in recruiting, getting on the road for you. Yes. No, it is. It, it is. And then and then I, I drove down uh, to Carthage High. <clears throat> you know, I've known Coach Surratt for years. I think he's the best. And it's not, not a knock on anybody else. I mean, I think Coach Surratt's the best coach in Texas. Um, I think he's phenomenal. Um, they, he, they didn't win state this year because they had a rash of just crazy – things that happen in that program, injuries and whatnot. 
Um, but, uh, you know, spent time with him, KJ Edwards, 2026, 20, uh, running back slot guy, big time acceleration. I mean, Coach Surratt showed me tape of him pressing the hole, bounce, uh, bouncing outside with an unbelievably quick jump cut. But that acceleration is where he's different. Georgia came in and offered him. Is uh, he 26 or 27? He's a 26. There's a lot of really good running backs in 26. Um, then Coach Surratt's son, Jet Surratt. Um, it's interesting. I knew him when he was younger because we had uh, we had a couple of guys in the Under Armour All-American game. So I knew Jet when he was a little dude. Um, and Jet was a, a sophomore quarterback at Carthage, Texas Tech, Houston, UTSA have offered him. He's going to get a lot of offers, guys. Um, he is high, high level of anticipation and accuracy. I mean, high level. Um but what was so much fun yesterday about that was I ended up at the golf course with Coach Surratt, and we rode around in the golf co- uh, golf cart. Jet is going to be one of a – he is going to be probably a pro prospect in golf, and a PGA Tour guy. He has – he has won both tournaments this year, uh, shot 65 to win a tournament. Um, he has a 127, 128-mile-an-hour club head speed. 187, 188 mile an hour ball speed. And for any of you guys here that are golfers, that is PGA Tour, elite of PGA Tour level stuff. He's 16 years old. Um, but he's you can see here he's 145 pounds last year. He's now 177. So he he's just hit a big maturity, physical maturity growth spurt, but a big time competitor, a great leader. I can't tell you how much, you know, I've done a lot in, in this business, but riding nine holes in a golf cart, talking ball with Coach Surratt, who has nine state championships, right? Talking about all the players he's had at Carthage, all the great players from East Texas, watching his son play golf, the joy he gets from watching his son ascend as a quarterback and as a golfer. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And, and A.J. Mill, we will be at Carthage in the spring to take a close look at Jet, throw the football around. Uh, Carthage runs a lot. Uh, they run some of the things Sarkeesian runs, some of the things Kalen DeBoer runs uh, offensively. Um, so I, I think uh, I think Jet Surratt has he has three offers now. Watch that offer list go up. Um, but it, this is one of those kids. Normally we talk about a football baseball decision. At one some point in his life, he's going to be forced to make a football versus golf decision. Uh, because he is he is a big 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 time golf prospect, big time. Well, and riding around with one of the uh, what? How many uh, state titles does he have? Nine. So you rode around with a, a high school coach who has nine state titles to watch his son play golf yesterday. A first in twenty two years in this business. By Meanwhile, way. I was slaving behind a keyboard. I'm just saying, many of people listening today are slaving behind a keyboard. You're watching a future pro golfer. Uh, with his son and, and has nine. That's that's a good day for you, Jerry. I would yeah. agree with you. Yeah, that's a good day, buddy. Hey, another person that had a really great day yesterday, uh, Steve McMichael, University of Texas, uh, former Longhorn defensive lineman from 76 to 79, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame last night. He becomes the sixth Longhorn, by the way, ever to earn that distinction, uh, following guys like Earl Campbell, Bobby Lane, Tom Landry. Uh, you know, tech shram guys like that. Uh, congratulations to Steve McMichael. I actually did uh, a little research on Steve McMichael this morning. I wrote an article, I found out that he's from Freer, Texas. I had heard that before. It's a little South Texas town. A lot of people go deer hunting down there, right? In that area. Well, he's from Freer, Texas, and he played six varsity sports, Jerry and CJ. Six. He was he was varsity in football, of course, baseball, basketball. That's normal, right? Yeah. Maybe you hear track and field. So he's also in track and field. So maybe we get four every so often, right? Wait, make us guess the last two. Okay, you got to guess the last two. CJ, the first one should be easy for everybody. I think I might be wrong. Go ahead. I was going to go golf, but I don't know. We were on the topic of it. Okay, that's five. That's five. Now give me a sixth, Blake. Well, I read the article, so it would be it would be unfair for me to guess. I, I, I already know what it is. The article I'm running on fumes this morning, but I, I'll say tennis. Yes, 
six varsity sports a dude in the 70s. That is just phenomenal. But the best story I heard was actually from Les Caning. Uh, I talk, I'm friends with Les. He was a coach at Texas, played at Texas, uh, all Southwest Conference receiver, uh, coached around the league, was offense coordinator at AM for Dennis Francione in Alabama and TCU. Uh, his dad's a longtime coach that everybody should know in the Houston area, was at Psych Creek Memorial, et cetera. And I'm friends with Les, and I called him this morning to just get his feedback on it. And he, he told me a couple of different Steve McMichael stories, but the best one was this is basically, this is how he, he basically described McMichael as tough in an old kind of way that doesn't exist anymore. Like, you know, he, you hit him, he hits you back. You know, it's, it's like, it's like one of those things. Like he, he just was born strong, athletic and tough and just lived it uh, really. But my favorite story that I heard this morning actually was this. Steve McMichael during spring breaks. During spring breaks, a lot of people went to the beach. Some people went home and just hung out with their parents. Some people tried to go get a job to make extra spending money back in those days. Not Steve McMichael. He tried to get people to go with him to the rattlesnake roundup. That's his seventh sport. (laughs) He tried to get people to go with him to the rattlesnake roundup where you essentially tried to go and catch rattlesnakes for a week. That's That was Steve McMichael. <laughs> you want to talk about a colorful guy? They also called him Bam Bam, uh, and that was uh, at Texas. And that was a, a nickname after the Fred Flintstones ca- cartoon character uh, because he had muscles everywhere, basically. Um, and then uh, obviously had a great career with the Chicago Bears, which led to his uh, selection uh, into the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. Very, very happy for him. He's suffering from MF, uh, from ALS right now and has been uh, for a couple of years. I was talking to Les. Texas uh, players go by and see him uh, and his family all the time these days. So uh, our thoughts with him and congratulations to him and his family celebrating election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Doesn't happen often. Only six Longhorns in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he is now one of them. Congratulations to him. Thank you. Uh, thank you for checking in Jerry's manscaper. <laughs> uh, guys, I know CJ, you, you've also uh, been working the lines there getting some recruiting information. I want to go back to that for just a second. What do you have for folks out there, CJ? Yeah. Texas extended an offer late last week to 2025 uh, Aldine Nimitz linebacker, Javar Thomas. Uh, one that came as a surprise to him. I traded messages with him. Uh, Sarkin does. Uh, and Jeff Banks stopped by campus last weekend uh, on Friday. I think one of their last visits on the trail, actually. So uh, a little bit of a, a last-minute get-in for, for Sarkeesian and Banks to see Javar Thomas. He was on campus for the junior day. Texas did not offer. Stopped by late in uh, last weekend and extended offer. He's a prime candidate to visit again in March. Uh, likes Texas. Has recruit. His recruitment has blown up since uh, the beginning of the, of the calendar year. Uh, offers from TCU, SMU. Uh, Houston and Baylor and Washington, who came in uh, just last week as well. So another long levered, you know, wide wingspan guy out of uh, at the linebacker position. Want to watch moving forward. Uh, by the way, Emmanuel Villafranco, that was breaking news. Yes, CJ Vogel did uh, get, get the uh, go, go. He got a haircut yesterday. It, I got the buy the the biannual cut. You know, got to chop it off real short and then let it grow all the way back, and and we'll, we'll do it again about six months from now. Wow. That's crazy. I have so much less hair than you, but I get a haircut every month. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, fun. that's not fair. We'll just let it go. <laughs> I, somebody, we had a good question about um, Sadir Mitchell. Who's another possible one tech on the uh, on the roster? I thought that was a good uh, question. I think the portal could could provide some help there here after the spring, guys. Well, the only two true ones on the roster are Sadir Mitchell. Uh, well, I guess I guess Alex January. Alex January. I was going to say Alex January. Yeah. Uh, well, Aaron Bryant is trying to play that position. Yeah, he and, and he's, he's, he's gained a lot. He's gained a lot of weight, strength, and can anchor against the run. So I think uh, I, I think Aaron Bryant's probably going to be your second team guy starting spring practice, and then Alex January third as he works his way up. But Alex January has SEC size. Uh, before we move on, senior year. 
Before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell folks out there about BKCW and escaping the insurance trap. Yeah, I really appreciate these guys. Uh, did your business have a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal this past January? Most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase or something else uh, falling short of what you expected. When this happens, the agent is providing very little value and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. BC, BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with the actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of its headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year. BKCW also help, has already helped uh, many well-known companies in the Austin, Central Texas area, whether it's restaurant groups, construction companies, breweries, uh, and nonprofits, uh, escape the insurance trap. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com today to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Thank you very much, BKCW. Okay, guys. Well, let's get into some questions. We got plenty of them and plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. And uh, let's start with this one from E. Kim. E. Kim says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. Do you ever see a Caesar for college football at some point? A Caesar? A Caesar. <laughs> no. How about a Czar? Okay, whatever. whatever, Bobby. You, you know I'm going to butcher something at least once a day. I hope so. A little Caesar yeah. salad over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's gonna, yeah, Blake's going to word salad. That's a good one with Caesar. Um, no, uh, I hope they do. The question is, is who should we be looking toward, right? Um, and I don't know the answer to that. I Like, I, I feel like a lot of people would say, oh, Nick Saban like that. But is, is Saban that guy? Is he the guy you want? I mean, he does he really want it? Does he want it? Look, he got to Alabama and at LSU, he wasn't exactly guys. Like he wasn't pure as the driven snow. I'm just going to put it that way. When he first got to LSU, like he, he, he operated in some gray areas. I'll just put it that way from a recruiting perspective. Um, there's a reason Jimbo Fisher went at him a little bit because Jimbo Fisher was on that LSU staff with him and remembers those times. And I, I think it wasn't that Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher tried to, to say it was because, oh, well, I don't know anything about, about NIL. Well, actually, I think he was saying, look, Nick, I know where there's some skeletons in your closet as well because I was on the staff with you at LSU. That was what that was really about. It wasn't about defending A&M's integrity. It was don't throw stones in glass houses to Nick Saban because I've been there with you, buddy. Um, and so I don't know if Nick Saban is the guy, but that's the one that's been brought about. I, and I don't know if the term czar is right either. I don't, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I, I feel like whatever we get to, I feel like the top tier of schools not the four, not if we go to 48, right? Or 64, whatever the numbers is, CJ or, or, or Blake or, or Jerry, that's fine. Make sure the top 16 or the top 20 that really carry the weight, like Rutgers does not need an, a vote equal to Texas. Wake Forest does not need a vote equal to Alabama. Whatever we do. So I don't want just one czar overseeing everybody. I'd like it to be, yes, there can be one leader like a Roger Goodell or whoever. That may be the wrong guy for people. But you need a setup where those guys that are actually bringing the majority of the revenue in actually have a bigger say at the table. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I, and I don't – I'd be surprised if Nick Saban was that guy because why would you want that at his age? He's now he's now going to be part of college game day in ESPN football. I mean, he's probably making three, four million a year doing that, right? Why would you want that? So go, go keep go keep uh, body surfing at, at, in the beach, uh, you know, on the beach there in Jupiter at his house, and go do college game day, and you know, be on committee, uh, you know, have your opinion heard. But man, being the head of that, I wouldn't want any, I wouldn't want that gig. 
I, you would do it because you wanted the best for the sport. Yeah. And to your point, he may be not he may not be that pure. <laughs> why, why not take five million? But he could buy. Hey, look, Roger Goodell makes what? 20 or 30 million a year? Bump yeah. it up a couple 15. Yeah. And so, I mean, he might, Jerry, maybe if he wants another couple dealerships, car dealerships, maybe Saban can go be the college football czar and make, you know, 30 million and buy one a year or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, Chant Bailey, who was the biggest flip for Texas in the 2024 class? It was Phil Same for me. Uh, Xavier Phil Same. Um, because safety, athleticism at the safety position was such a need. Um, moving forward in the SEC and with the program, uh, that I think that was absolutely the biggest flip. Who, 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 Ty Anthony Smith was another one. Wardell Mack. Wardell Mack from Florida. I mean, the late flips, those are the three yeah. that people will talk Anybody about. Anybody else that you can think of? I don't, I don't remember any other flips other than those three. Am I wrong? I mean, the crazy thing is not really flips. Jarrett Gibson at one time was committed to Florida, but then but he backed Florida. off of that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Billy Napier came in, so that doesn't. That's not a flip. That's a decommitment, and I'm restarting my recruiting process. So, I, I think uh, I think Phil Summey was definitely the one. We should have added flips to that list of superlatives or that list that we came up with yesterday, Jerry. That yeah, would have been a good one. I put I that. In, I put that in an article two days on signing day. The the three SEC flips. Got it. Yeah, but we should have added that. Another per, people also came up with another one. Gamers, you know, guys that are kind of, you know, I don't know, intangibles, so to speak. Yeah. Somebody says compare Williams and Phil Samia at safety. I would say Phil Samia is not as maybe as long armed, maybe not quite as rangy as Derek Williams. I think what they both do is those dudes play downhill really well. Um, I, I think Phil Samia is a, uh, a a guy that has a lot of physicality to his game. Um, but I, I think Derek Williams may be a longer arm, a little more rangy guy. Yep. More compact, more physical. All right, fellas. The next question from Heoli Frioli 93. He says, I see four possible college game dates for Texas next year. Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and A&M. What do y'all think? Hard to say until you know who's winning games and what the matchups are. Um, you know, uh, Michigan would be interesting, though. It's uh, Sharon Moore won the national championship. Um, Texas was in the playoff. Quinn's coming back, right? Um, so that one makes a lot – without looking at the college football schedule, that one makes a lot of sense early on, for sure. Michigan uh, just finalized the deal for Wink Martindale, the head coach or the defensive coordinator, to be their defensive coordinator. So, not the the TV personality as we talked about the other day, but they they did go get a big splashy NFL hire to to hopefully retain, you know, in their case, uh, some of their those defensive guys. But Michigan off the bat looks like a game that will garner a lot of national TV interest, as well as Georgia. Should Texas and Georgia continue to be in that top five, top ten conversation? Um. Jose Rodriguez asked, do we have a chance at David Sanders and DJ Sanders in 25? David Sanders, offensive tackle out of a Charlotte area, he's been talked about more to the Clemson and Georgia right now. Look, that Charlotte area, <laughs> that's a tough area to go in and get somebody out of. Obviously, Kyle Flood has made an effort there. Um, DJ Sanders, interesting, really deep year defensive line in 25. If he is, he's got a lot of talent, but I think he's also the farthest from reaching his ceiling. So if you're talking a four-man D-line class and he's kind of a stash-and-developed guy, I could see it. But there are um, better players right now. He's more of a developmental guy. But he's got talent. Hey, one of our viewers, Jerry, uh, one of our viewers uh, put this in uh, and uh, br uh, brought this to our attention. This is uh, this is uh, Anthony Hill. Uh, yesterday, this photo came in from Anthony Hill. He was at Gus's Fried Chicken yesterday in downtown Austin. And our uh, one of the viewers, uh, Travis Bingham, uh, from awesome. the chat, uh, took a picture of him. There's Anthony. If you need a, a look, a look in on the life and what he's doing in his off time, he's going to eat at Gus's Fried Chicken. There you go. I've That's there, awesome. I've eaten there, and it's legit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a staple in Austin. I love it. Anthony does not lack for taste, man. That's a that's a fried chicken spot that started out in L.A., Jerry. I don't know if you've ever been there. No, I have not. 
Yeah. It's great. It's right next to Compton Dominguez, the high school. Uh, right. uh, Jay Dobbs, I agree. Totally agree with that. Um, it, it's a very difficult uh, sport uh, to make it. Um, I, I will say this, having lived down in Jupiter for years, I used to host the Honda Classic uh, uh, radio show every Sunday, being around it a lot. Um, that kid, Jet Surratt, has a real chance because he's got the mental makeup along with exceptional, exceptional talent. But it's tough. It, it's as tough as anything to make it. But this kid at 16 now, watch out. Dan Hughes, I bet you're right uh, in the chat. All right, Botex knows. Says, Jerry, were you able to get the scoop on Byron Murphy's little brother? I have not. I've been just been so busy on the road. I'll, I'll get into some of that next week when I have a little time. Okay, then we got a super chat from Football Junkie. Says, guys, what's the ceiling for the 2024 defense? I think we will be fast and physical. The secondary, definitely. I, I think you're going to see a lot more athleticism in that back seven. Uh, the question is, will you be able to stop the run up front? You talked about not necessarily having the the big, you know, body stoppers with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, Murphy leaving. Uh, who's going to be that guy to really clog those holes in the run game? And can you trust your linebackers to to fit accurately whenever it comes to stretch zone and 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 things along those nature? So I'm I'm with you. I think it'll be a more athletic defense in certain aspects, specifically on the backside. Uh, but the run defense to me is the biggest question mark on the team at the moment. I, I'm. You know uh, what I want to add? Oh, go ahead, Jerry. I'm sorry. I think edge pass rush is going to tell your story next year defensively. Got to create more. This is a longer lever league. Um, you have to have edge pass rush ability. Hey, Jerry, I, that brings something up. Yesterday, when you and I were going over that list of superlatives, one of the guys that you said really kind of surprised me as ready to play physically, I couldn't believe you put Colin Simmons on that list. Like, I have, I had this vision of Colin Simmons being a year or two away of being physically ready. But you, like, were adamant about him being more ready than what people were giving him credit for. What it, it, that and, and that plays into that whole edge pass rush thing that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he'll get attacked in the run game a little bit. But if you go back, um, just go back and, and look at Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and some of those guys early on. Um, they may not, they may have been attacked a little bit in the run game, but Colin Simmons has a high, high-end level of twitch. He is going to be – he's bigger, like seeing him in Orlando at the Under Armour game. He has got more muscle than I think people that haven't seen him in person would think. Um, and, and I just look at the fact that being an early enrollee, working with Tory Beckton, look, I mean, none of these kids, very – or not none. Very few of these kids, when they go to college, say, "Oh," and, and they start get, getting with the nutritionist at the at, this, at the level of a Texas or Alabama or something. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's the way I've been eating my whole life." I mean, these kids aren't even close to maximizing. And and, and I think at the term when we say maximizing, people just think on the field, but it's nutrition, it's training, it's all of that. And, and if you put all of it together from where Colin Simmons is starting at. I think you're going to see a guy who is going to be physically ready to play. Does that mean he's going to be uh, perfect against the run? No, it does not. Uh, people will attack him. But I think physically ready to be a factor as a pass rusher, which Texas needs badly in the SEC off the edge. The, yeah, the there's a real chance he enters the spring at 245 as well. Com compared to where we saw him in Orlando, Jerry, it's yeah. uh, almost night and day in, in, in terms of the steps he's already taken physically since being on campus. I think – in terms of getting the body ready to play at the next level, he's going to be just fine as we head into fall camp because at 245, that's almost a 25-pound, 20-pound increase from where he was just a month ago. I, I, the original question, guys, was well, like where is Texas going to be on defense compared to last year? Um, what's the ceiling of it? And, and thanks, Football Junkie, for that super chat. Here, I, I agree with CJ a little bit here about – the run stopping, obviously, that's been a, been a focal point of all of ours talking about it. But I, I want to put this in front of everybody, too. It's not just the defensive tackles. It's the middle linebacker. 
I mean, Texas is losing a three-year starter in Jalen Ford. They're losing three pro players in that little triangle there of defensive tackle and middle linebacker. So it's while I think I am more focused on the defensive tackle portion of it, because that's where that's the point of attack, so to speak. It's also Anthony Hill, who we just showed in that photo, stepping up and being a more of a traditional linebacker, as well as either Kendrick Blackshire, David Binda, or whomever taking that next step in the middle too. So it's not just, when we can talk about that, that's it's not just the two defensive tackles. It's all of those factors kind of meshing together that make me most concerned. All right. Michael Cluckhorn says, "Who? what two started edge? Hmm. Well, I think, your two, I think your two returning guys are going to start. Uh, they may move Burke Bur- to, to uh, Jack is what I'm hearing. And have have Finkley and Moore and Simmons in the boundary. Yeah. They may do that, Jerry. Just be aware. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, well, they're stronger, they think, and further along. And we know Moore was recruited as a buck. So he's a boundary defensive end. Yeah. And that that's the place where Ethan Burke has played. He, you know, Moore's the one with 14 and a half sacks or whatever it is. Just something to consider. Yeah. Uh, we have another super chat. This one's from Trey Day. Thank you, Trey. He says, what does the offensive line look like in 25 if Campbell and Cam are one and done along with Banks and Majors? And how likely is that scenario? Uh, I I would put it less than 50% there. I mean, oh. I, it, 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 both Campbell and Cam are gone after this year. I mean, I I don't see it. I think Campbell, first-year starter, um, really still learning that position. Maybe he makes a huge jump, uh, but, you know, Cam Williams needs two years starting, but he's so talented if he looks really good. <laughs> the latter half of his first year starting, I mean, it, we're talking about the NFL draft here, guys. I mean, it's not out of the question that he goes from, eh, guy that started one game that has a lot of talent to rising quickly on draft boards. I'll never, I'll never forget. I was at the Summer Creek Atascacita game, um, and it was Kelvin Banks and Cam Dewberry. And at the time, Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams, those guys were committed to Oregon. And I was sitting there, and Mario Portnoy's head coach at Oregon. Him and his offensive line coach were there, um, and, and he was asking me about some players and whatnot. And he said, "Who do you think has the higher upside, Kelvin Banks or Cam Williams?" I just thought the question was interesting because on the surface, it's not even a question, but I thought it was interesting. He asked the question. Yeah. yeah Kelvin Banks was more ready to your, no point. question about that. But looking three or four years down the road, if Cam Williams is really that dude, watch out. And, and he's getting to that age now. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I mean, I will, I, I will say this. So if Banks goes pro, which we would expect, Jake Majors will be gone. I don't know that DJ Campbell or Cam Williams will be. I, I would put that more at like 15% of happening, Jerry, and, and less than 50 yeah. um, of all of those guys going pro. But if they do, as of right now, Texas has the wherewithal to withstand that. Yes. That's part of that class – uh, the, the Pancake Factory group. I mean, Cole Hudson's in that. Neto's in that. Uh, Malik Ogbo has already seen. I mean, they've got some guys. Then you've got the next group with Trevor Gooseby are both in that. Brandon Baker's yeah. going to be at right tackle this spring. He They'll cross-train him just like they did Cam Williams a little bit. So they hey, will learn multiple positions, but he's starting his career at right tackle. Don't forget about They like Connor Robertson at center. I mean, he's not a – look what he did at, at, against OU. No doubt. He, he stepped in. Yeah. They, they, Kyle Flood, of, of all positions at Texas, that got started quickly in recruiting, I think is Kyle Flood. Like, the now we're getting some receivers in, right? Now we're getting – the running back group is starting to, to proliferate. But Kyle Flood got a jump start, in my opinion, on yeah. all the other positions. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, we're going to jump over to the OnTexasFootball.com forums. And Texas fan in Georgia says, who is a good NFL comparison for Quinn Ewers? You know who he reminds me a little bit of, and this is going to be odd, is Chad Henney. I don't know if you guys remember him at Michigan. Um, Really threw a nice ball, played a lot, what, 15 years in the NFL. Um, That's kind of who he reminds me of. I don't don't know why. Um, Chad Henney had a tighter ball. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Did not have as as long a release, maybe. but that's that's who he reminds me of, I, I, and I, I've always felt that way, and that's been two or three years now. I I've yet to put someone like in comparison with Quinn that I feel super confident about, and I think it's because of his unique style of throwing a football, and you know, kind of those weird quirks that he has in the pocket at times. It's it's very unique to Quinn, and I think that's one of those things that made him such a. Uh, you know, highly touted and coveted, you know, prospect is you don't necessarily see that out of your as, out of your prototypical throwers of the football. It's interesting. Um, who I don't feathers know. it, I, CJ? Who feathers it as well as Quinn Ewers? It's it's kind of bizarre. I think it, I don't I don't want to throw out Philip Rivers, but I feel like there at times the way that he kind of just pieces the throws together accurately and. Kind of in his own way, it has that kind kind of taste to me. Maybe not as irresponsibly as Philip Rivers at times, you know, because it felt like in the in those seasons when he was uh, in the in the powder blue, you know, you'd turn on a TV about uh, three fifteen, waiting for the second slate of games to start up, and he's throwing a game losing interception all the time. But you know, it, it I certainly feel like he's got those weird quirks to him, as as you would see with a Philip Rivers or someone like that. Okay. I'm going to answer Jeff Collins real quick. Uh, I think Tredarian Ball right now, uh, based on talking to a couple of people yesterday, not associated with Texas High, uh, I think uh, Tredarian Ball, bigger guy, bigger 5'11", 5'10 183. Um, I think he's a, a, a could be considered a Texas lean right now, but a long way to go, 26 kid. Well, Jerry, it is your time to shine this morning. Last one. (laughs) You need to tell folks out there about Joy Mode and how it can help them. Oh, man. I think I speak for most men when I say we want to have better sex. And for the sake of our partner, we may need to have better sex. The issue is that over-the-counter pills contain unregulated chemicals, suggest unsafe doses, and include the risk of several other health problems. problems. That's all we've partnered with our friends at Joy Mode. Whether you're looking to spice up your intimate moments or increase your confidence in the bedroom, Joy Mode makes all natural and science-based back supplements dedicated to helping men perform better across their core functions. Their trademark pop product, the Sexual Performance Booster, is every man's solution for increased blood flow, firmness, stamina, and performance. It comes in a palm-sized packet like your favorite electrolyte powder. Simply mix six to eight ounces of water, 45 minutes for sexual activity, and watch the magic unfold. Please redefine your intimacy and go use joymode.com for 20% off with code ONTEXAS, all caps. That's 20% off, free shipping with code ONTEXAS. Ingredients with integrity, Joy Mode. Thank you, Jerry. A true professional. 
Well, let's move on to some more questions here. David Williams, who's going to be the next Longhorn to make the NFL Hall of Fame? I would say either Jamal Charles, Tommy Nobis, or B. John Robinson, says David. If it's if it's not Jamal Charles, it'll be Justin Tucker. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I mean, greatest kicker ever. Yeah. I think it's going to be Jamal. Um, you know, I was doing this, by the way, I was looking at that this morning. Texas now has six former uh, alums uh, in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. The two teams that have the most, Southern Cal and and uh, Notre Dame, yeah. both with 14. Michigan has 11. So a uh, and by the way, how many? And Miles Garrett and Mike Evans, by the way, might both be in the NFL Hall of Fame. before. And Vaughn Miller. And Vaughn Miller. So three for, for A&M probably coming up. But a and right now only has one. And I, you know. I mean, is, does Derek Johnson have a shot? Maybe when it gets to the – he was never a consecutive all-pro. Not just a pro bowler, but an all-pro, Jerry, where he was kind of one of the top. I was kind of – Phil, Phil Dawson have a shot? Somebody asked about Phil Dawson? Mm, I don't think so. Casey Hampton? I, Hey, I'd love to know if anybody – well, I'd love to know if anybody out there is from Freer, Texas today. That, that's where, I mean, we see a bunch of people. Uh, we mentioned this, uh, Steve McMichael entering the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that's a, an, an excellent uh, idea. What about Earl Thomas? People are asking about Earl Thomas. CJ, Jerry, y'all y'all follow the pros more than I do. Great prime, won Super Bowls. I could see it. I, I think the way that he went out might rub uh, voters and writers the wrong way. You know, I think – that's going to play into it ultimately, whether it should or not. But uh, certainly up there with one of the best safeties of of that past generation, I would say. Him, yeah. Eric Berry especially, who also had it cut short due to injuries. Yeah, I still say that he was better than Eric Berry, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Earl got robbed of the of the uh, the Thorpe. We don't think Casey Hampton has a shot, right? Just five times uh, Pro Bowler, but probably not. No, James Harrison will get it. Get that nod from that defense. Yeah, agree. And Palomalu. Captain Americano asks, Coach Shipley mentioned that walk-ons had to qualify on their own merit. Do they have to pay on their own dime, or are they able to qualify for academic scholarships or financial aid? You know, I don't know the part about the financial aid or scholarships. It used to be that if you played football, you couldn't get any outside scholarships, even as a walk-on. You had to pull full, you had to pay full freight. They may have changed that. They still do have to qualify on their own merit. Um, and so, as everybody knows, getting, in, I mean, I think a lot of people know, getting into Texas nowadays is extraordinarily hard unless you're in the top 6% of your high school graduating class. I mean, that's that's a very, very hard thing to do at a big school in the state of Texas. I mean, you basically have to be make all A's your entire career and be in all, you know, AP classes, basically from your ninth grade on or 10th grade on. Uh, very, very difficult. Um, and so uh, that alone is a, a tough standard to bear as far as and they do pay their own freight once they get there. They do get access to certain aspects of what uh, the uh, the rest of the team gets, so they can pay for the uh, the meals and go into the meal plan, et cetera. You had something, CJ, you want to mention? He's no, answering answer, exactly. Uh, Rick Roscoe's uh, comment down there, but I'm with you, Bobby. That getting into Texas is insane. I'm, I mean, it's a miracle I even got in. I was 42nd percentile, way in the back. So, uh, I mean, to the 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 scholarship or the walk on conversation. For those guys to have gotten in and still had the prerequisites on the field as well, credit to them. And I think, you know, as we talked about in the past, John Michael Jones really revamping this group. It, it gives me confidence for what his new role is, a kind of an, an enhanced role in the recruiting department. That's a lot of uh, responsibility and due diligence that goes into building something like that. And I think Texas is, is finding the right guys in the right roles when they're adjusting uh, for situations like this. I, I, I Sandman 23 said Casey Hampton should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to read you the all Pittsburgh Steelers all-time defensive team, which Casey Hampton is part of. Mean Joe Green, 
Casey Hampton, Ernie Stoutner, Dwight White, Elsie Greenwood, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Greg Lloyd, Joey Porter, Andy Russell, Mel Blunt, Jack Butler, Carnell Lake, Troy Palomano, Donnie Shell, and Rod Woodson. That's a lot of Hall of Famers. Yeah. Eventually throw TJ Watt on there. I one of my one of my first memories of pro football actually was in the Astrodome watching Donnie Shell and Earl Campbell collide. Yeah. Donnie Shell was a I mean, he was a weapon and he used his helmet as a spear. I mean, back then they had right into the kidneys of the running back. I mean, they had no uh, that's what they used the helmet for. And he and Earl Campbell one day just went at it and at it and at it. And I just remember I'm, I'm like 10 years old thinking, how do these humans do this? I'm like, I can never <laughs> like I, that's when I realized I'm not built like them and never will be built like these guys because they literally it was like a bloodletting. Both of those guys were just serious. I mean, so serious. Hmm. We have a super chat from James McDaniel for you, Bobby. He says, why don't you follow the NFL like that? It really started in, uh, it, it start, I used to follow the NFL a lot, especially in uh, college and high school, et cetera, and, and younger. But whenever I started getting into recruiting and that became my job, I would, I would be on the phones making phone calls to recruits from 10 a.m. in the morning on Sunday until 10 o'clock at night. And so I couldn't really watch the games. Um, I was literally too busy calling recruits because recruits are all home on Sundays. You know what I mean? They're not home on Tuesday night. They're out with their girlfriend or whatever. But on Sundays, that, that's why I didn't watch uh, the pros. In the last 10 years, 15 years, I've started redoing it. I've started watching more. Uh, but that was why back in the day. We're getting lots of recruiting questions. So let's go back to recruiting for a little bit. And we'll start with DMS 1983. How did Texas class go from number three to number six? I think that that stuff just fluctuates a little bit, um, you know, based on who's who's ranking the classes. Um, I, I haven't, I didn't see Texas with the number three class at any point this year. I just don't think they had enough signees for me. Um, now, sometimes as you get closer to uh, February, they change the formula on how many guys go into a. A class that number may uptick one or two uh, that factor into um, how those class rankings are, are, are formulated. But I I didn't see Texas with number three class. They were going to sign 22, 23 guys. Um, DeAndre Robinson obviously leaving makes it 22. Uh, but I mean, you look at Georgia 29, Alabama 28. I mean, those classes have they're bigger in numbers. Uh, but then, you know, Texas also in final rankings, um, the only consensus five-star player was Colin Simmons. So that did hurt Texas a little bit, knock them down a spot or two. I, I think they, they knocked some people down. I, I think they knocked some recruits down like, like Ryan Wingo that hurt. Brandon and Baker. Got, what's that? A Baker going from five to four star. Yeah. There, there were a couple guys that got rated down in the final rankings that happened. And then the second piece of it is Deontre Robinson leaving. And then the third part is a couple of those teams that went ahead of Texas added players late, where Texas stood pat. I think I think I think the, I think recruiting is in such an interesting place now because it's from a ranking standpoint, it almost hurts you to go to All Star games now. The guys who stay home, it's just an interesting process now. Yeah, paralysis by analysis has taken over in the recruiting industry. Next question from Lance Caswell. He says, who's a sleeper or low-rated 2025 recruit that's an offer take for the Longhorns? I'm going to go with Smith or Rogbo. Now he's been offered by Texas, the defensive lineman guys out of uh, the Houston area. I really like him. I, I went back and watched, been watching film on a lot of the recruits. I liked him. He He's not highly rated right now. I think he eventually will be. There's one that doesn't have a Texas offer that I'm really interested in is Royal Capel, the wide receiver out of Cibolo Steel. Uh, I I was down there a couple of weeks ago, and their coaching staff came down, and uh, I was talking to the coaching staff, and they said that when you know the college coaches were able to visit campus, multiple multiple coaching staffs 
basically came out and said, you know, that's a Debo Samuel 2.0. You hear that often, but he has over 600 rushing yards last year, was a big-time wide receiver. Uh, is getting recruited recruited at defensive back as well. He has running back offers on the table, receiving offers on the table. I mean, full-time, you know, all-around football player. I really liked what I saw out of him. Big leader in the weight room as well. Uh, was on campus for the junior day, so I wonder if anything, you know, comes of that later down the road. But he's one that caught my eye, and I'm a big fan of his game. Jerry, you have one. You got to have a, a a sleeper type. Um, I, nothing's popping, but I, I'm on fumes right now. But nothing's really popping into my head on that. I think, I think there's going to be there's so so deep, um, an offensive line. I, I I there's a kid at South Oak Cliff that's starting to get offers that has some upside. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys like that kind of pop up onto the radar in the spring evaluation period. I'm looking at the offensive line. I think it's such a deep year that you have a lot of guys who have been names who are very talented for over a year now that are talked about a lot and so much. Watch out for these up-and-coming guys. Offensive line position develops latest physically of every of every position, easily the latest. Um, so watch for a few guys in the spring on the offensive line to pop. I got to I remember this. Remember this. A guy like Trevor Goosby, right, was not really on Texas radar right now. They was on the radar, but he wasn't an offer guy. Okay, he he developed late when he committed to Texas. He was still six six and a quarter, two sixty eight. I think he was at the Under Armour camp or two sixty four. His spring of his junior year, and then he goes makes the official visit to Texas, and he really started to take off in recruiting. Um, at that Under Armour camp, he performed well. And then when people went to see him in the spring, so that those guys who are basketball slash football guys on the offensive line, those frames develop later. Um, just watch for some guys like that in the spring in Texas. Hey, Jerry, what about uh, here's a here's a name that I have, he has an offer. But a guy that is flying on the radar, in my opinion, Caleb Chester, uh, the corner out of Fort Ben Marshall. Yeah, he's he's a good – when you go – I watched him play this year against Aleph Taylor. When you go watch him, movement skills are very good, right? Um, got to add some strength to that frame, but he's got a really good natural cornerback frame. A frame, I would say maybe not the arm – quite the arm length, but similar frame to Wardell Mack uh, physically. I'm just talking physical frame. Really good movement skills, really smooth in his pedal. Um, really comes out of breaks uh, with with quickness and reactive quickness. So he's a guy who, again, a deep position, uh, is secondary in 2025. But colleges really like him, even though he may not be ranked as high or be talked about uh, as much as some other guys. And by by the way, he's going to get a ton of looks this spring because Fort Ben Marshall, the 2026 safety Isaiah Williams, is going to be an elite, elite top 50 type kid nationally. I mean – out watching him this year, he, I, physically and athletically, that's what Georgia and Alabama have been playing with for a while. Isaiah Williams, 2026. Uh, they were both those guys were at the Texas Junior Day, January 20th, by the way. We have a uh, another super chat from Carlos Sanchez, and he says, random question, but how good was Malik Jefferson, really? I think he tested better than the player he was coming out of high school. We had him in the Under Armour All-America game. There's some rigidness, some struggles and change of direction at times. Um, and I think arm length kind of became an issue for him long term in football guys. But very good football player, very smart, great guy, great dude. Then Horn Seven says, Will Alex January have a chance to play five to eight plays oh, yeah. a game, or does he need a year to develop? I know. I think I think Alex January is going to. I mean, see what happens in the portal in the spring. I think he's going to play. Look, I mean, he made a huge jump from junior to senior year. Part of that was walking away from the baseball diamond, right? I mean, I think he played first base for Duncanville. Um, but look, he made such a big jump. He was a district defensive player of the year in a district with. I, I don't have to tell people how many Division One, Power Five defensive players there are on that district. I I, I think he is a. Uh, you know, we had his father, Mike January, played at Texas on our show. Um, he talked about hand placement techniques, some of the things he's ahead at uh, in the game. And I totally agree with that. 
and now getting in early, being an early enrollee, getting the work with Tory Becton, nutritionist at University of Texas. None of these kids, none of these kids have any idea until they get to college what uh, what they can really do to maximize their talent. Uh, but I, I think his ceiling's very high. I think he will play this year. He's played against very good competition. Um, he, he has won multiple state championships. He knows what it's like to have demands and expectations as a player. I think that always helps guys coming into college. Man, if they can get him in five to eight snaps a game, Jerry, that's that's music to my ears. That you know, as a guy that's trying to find snaps in that regard, that is music to my ears. Yeah, big time. Uh, we got another super chat. This one from Kevin Todd. And Kevin says, Bobby, I'm an old guy, 55. My question is, are Vince Young, Casey Hampton, and you know the list, will we ever see guys with all that talent soon? Or are they once in a lifetime guys? I think VY is. Um, <laughs> I think Jerry would say Casey Hampton is. For yeah, at, at over the ball, absolutely. You know, the one that that – you know, Jamal Charles and Earl Thomas, two guys we just mentioned. I mean, they, you know what's interesting about those guys? I would not, and I, I watched them in high school. Jamal Charles, you you look at him, and to this day, you could look at him in the NFL and say, is he big enough? Uh, yes. I, I mean, you no, literally. Texas recruited him at corner. I know. I know. They almost didn't get him because of that. I, I know. Mike Haywood didn't want him at running back. I mean, I, I, you know, but my point being, you could, there are a couple of guys that you could look at like that. Like Corey Redding, you knew he had the physical ability from the get go. Yeah. Right. You were like, whoa, this dude's a little different. Right. But guys like Jamal Charles, whereas he ran like the wind, don't get me wrong. Not, nobody ever, I mean, he's, he's like Jaden Blue on steroids. That's Jamal Charles. Right. Um, you, you you could still look at him to this very day. Is he going to be able to hold up in the NFL at that size? Earl Thomas, he's 5'10 on a good day. Yeah. Yet he delivers hits like that. Same with Quandre Diggs. So I don't know if Texas is going to run through guys like those guys. Uh, uh, Derek Johnson was another super talented guy, right? That you, put, you put that in, in that category. Quentin Jammer. Leonard Davis. We won't see that. I would, you know, yeah. Physical freaks. I've got one for both of y'all. And Blake, I want you to chime in too. Is there a guy on campus right now, or I guess that will be on this spring roster that you could see potentially growing into a multi year Pro Bowl or All Pro? You know, if there's one guy that has a chance to eventually make the Hall of Fame and make that list, I, there might not be one guy like that. Obviously, that's a tall task. Texas only has six of them now, but. If there is a guy that you could see having a very illustrious NFL career, who would that be on roster at the moment? If there is one, God, that's it's a loaded question. I'm Anthony sorry. Hill comes to mind. Kelvin Banks comes to mind. For a pro perspective, we were just going over Cam Williams. If he maximizes, he's in that discussion because he's just huge, right? Um, I'm not sure I see that from any of the DBs, although Derek Williams would be in that category. Derek Williams shows if Derek Williams shows ball skills, and I'm not saying he doesn't have them. If he gets to show it on the field later in his college career, watch out. Arch is definitely one, in my opinion. That's gonna be mine. I, I, I just want to say this: why I won't see. Look, we're 20 plus years in the business. I haven't seen anybody like Casey Hampton. Um, the guy had 54 tackles for loss in high school in one season. That's insane. I, I, it's one thing to have the size of Casey. He wasn't tall, six foot and a half, 320. But I remember him because my dad was a scouting coach in that district at the time. I think he was 280 his sophomore year playing defensive end, right? But he could stand under the goal and dunk a basketball, right? He had just natural explosive power. But what made him great? He played harder than everybody else. He played harder than everybody else on a football field. It, it just it, that position, man. He had a natural strength and explosive power to him, but you don't get fifty-four tackles for loss at a five-A level in high school football in Texas unless you have a motor that's non-stop. 
I, I'll add I'll add some names. Anthony Hill. Did we mention him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Wingo has that kind of ability. But, you know, receivers, Jesus, the receiver numbers nowadays, they're, they're like running back numbers from 20 years ago where, you know, you had 15 guys with 1,000 yards rushing. What about Priest Holmes for the NFL Hall of Fame? Some people mentioned that in the chat earlier when we well, I thought about that. Doesn't he have 10,000 yards rushing in his career? He and Ricky both are, are right at that. And Priest was a, I think Priest was the NFL MVP one year. And he ended up with uh, 8,172 yards uh, on the ground, 300 catches for another 2,900 yards and scored 94 touchdowns. The yeah. problem with Priest might be that short prime. I think there was only three Pro Bowls, three All-Pros. That prime was tremendous, but it wasn't over yeah. you know, a, a duration that you would see like a AP or an AD, excuse me, and you know some of these other guys that are in that contention. Like Jamal had a, a much longer, seven years, basically, for his prime. Yeah. Somebody asked about a, a Kenny Vaccaro, Derek Williams comparison. I actually go a different direction. Kenny Vaccaro and Phil Sane, Phil Sami for me, is a little is some similarity there in the way they play the game. And similarity in frame, where I think Phil Sami will be. I'm not Kenny was what six foot and a half, two fourteen. I'm not sure Phil Sami will get to that point, but 205, 207. Very similar frames. Vaccaro could hit. Then that's what Phil Sami did not have a glass jaw. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they will knock your south pole in the dark. <laughs> I saw him deliver a hit in a seven on seven one time, and the kid was on the ground for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it was just, he just said hit in seven on seven, by the yeah. way, before like, the helmets. I'm sure, needless to say, uh, he he kind of got booted out that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it was his senior year, but I mean, it was like. I've never, you know, I mean, it's seven on seven. You don't see that level of physicality. And I have never in, since then have ever seen anything like that in a seven on seven game. That poor kid had no idea what did he. Uh, we got a super chat here. Uh, this says, good morning, guys. I, I can remember Houston ISD, I'm assuming, producing a lot of talent in the 90s. But notice that you guys did not mention potential recruits from Houston ISD. What happened? And thank you, Damon, for the super chat. Participation uh, level is way, way down. Yates, Yates, and move, and move to the sub, move to the suburbs. It, it yeah. same things happen in Dallas. Yeah, the 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 participation level in Houston for football is uh, in inner city uh, HISD very down. Lamar still has a good program, but Westbury. They, I mean, used to have guys, Jerry. Those kids are all now in Missouri City schools. They're yeah. all they're all now in Fort Bend ISD. I mean, that's really what's happened in Houston, uh, Madison, Westbury. Some of those schools you mentioned. Those kids now are at Shadow Creek. They're at Manville. They're in Fort Bend ISD. That's kind of been the change. If you look in Dallas, um, you know Dallas Carter. Where's Dallas Carter now? Well, I'll tell you where they are. Those kids are going to Cedar Hill and DeSoto and Duncanville, Lancaster. I mean, that's just kind of where things have changed uh, in, in some of those areas. But Houston, uh, a lot of it, – it's interesting. Like even Lamarck, with all the issues Lamarck has gone through as, as a school, a lot of the top players at Dickinson, their fathers played at Lamarck. I mean, so it's just kind of that natural – some natural changes, progressions there. I feel like this is going to be the last question for today. And it comes from Zach Kern. And he says, can we have, or can we hear one bold prediction for the upcoming season from each of you, including myself? Hmm. Ooh. I'll start. Oh, we're talking bold prediction. Yeah. Bold prediction. So my bold prediction is Texas is going to beat Georgia at home Ooh. and then lose to them in the SEC championship. Are you looking at an undefeated regular season then, Blake? I think they drop one game they shouldn't. Man. Um, bold prediction for me. 
uh, I don't know. Ryan Wingo has seven touchdown receptions. I'm high on that guy, man. Let's see. Um, mine is um, that people are going to talk and say it's a negative, but I see it as a positive. Uh, lost in the second round of the college football playoff, which means you got there two years in a row, which to me is a bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go. Uh, Blue and Baxter combined for 2,200 yards on the ground, evenly split. Maybe maybe wow. a 60-40 split there. So about 800 for Blue. Interesting. Yeah, if you can't tell that I'm high on – if you guys can't tell over the last month how high I've been on Ryan Wingo, I don't know what to tell you. Because I, I think that that guy has a lot of skill, man. Big and runs as well as he does. A lot of luck. Hey, I need to tell folks uh, one last time about uh, BKCW yes. before we get out of here, guys. Uh, if It's all about the insurance trap there. Uh, they try to get you out of it so that you actually are getting value from your uh, insurance agent uh, operating out of its headquarters in Austin uh, and owned by a UT grad. BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Thank you very much, BKCW, for your sponsorship. Also, I want to say thank you to the 40 Acres Collection and Jeff Clark, uh, CJ, I like your new shirt, my man. I, I like that. That looks pretty good, buddy. Hey, I'm feeling good because I'm looking good. I think that's the start of the day, you know. New haircut, got a shirt yeah, on. Yeah, who am day. I? <laughs> no, thank you. This is big time. Great look. Oh, by the way, I missed the easiest bold prediction. We all did. What's that? If you want to make the boldest of the bold prediction, Texas and Georgia play three times next year. Oh. Yeah. There's, there's only one way that can happen. Regular season, SEC title, national championship game. It's the only way it can happen. If you want to make the boldest of bold predictions, there it is. I'm not making it, but if Blake wants to. <laughs> hey, I just said they're going to beat them in the regular season and lose to them in the SEC. Hey, 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 I didn't say anything about their game. Ben Willeridge. Fort Ben Willeridge, I tell TJ Ford all the time, you ruined high school basketball for me. Basketball was not supposed to peak at the high school level in 2000, 2001. It was 79 and 75 and one. I think I saw 70 of those games in two years. They ruined high school. By, Duncanville had some great teams of late, but that Willeridge team was so special. Um, I, I TJ ruined high school basketball for me, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> it shouldn't have peaked 23 years ago. All right, before we get out of here, I, I want to just remind folks of a couple of things. Number one, softball season does start today. Uh, they play at 2.30 against San Diego and then follow that up at 8 o'clock against UCLA, a top five or top ten UCLA team. Speaking of, number four, Florida State lost their season opener yesterday, uh, upset by like a nobody. I can't remember who it was. No offense to that school, but you know what I mean. And then don't forget to head on over to ontexasfootball.com. Uh, join in on the discussion. Lots of good stuff going over there. As we said at the beginning of the show, Jerry dropping recruiting nuggets. Bobby uh, with, with his story on the Hall of Famer this morning as well. I mean, just all kinds of good stuff going on over there. So if you're not a member already, head on over there, sign up and join us. We would love for you to do that. And we'd also love for you to press that like and subscribe button. If you haven't already, just remember you need a YouTube account or a Google account, and then you'll be able to hit that subscribe button. So for Jerry Hamilton, Bobby Burton, and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Hook them, guys. Have a good week.